The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We rallied to deliver this podcast to you. We're going to talk about who are the Willie Adamas breakout candidates of the year. We'll go over the Brewers sweep. We'll also talk a little bit about the Cardinal series as well. Uh, we will chat about Darvin Ham taking the Lakers job and what impact that has in the Bucks. Who is the ideal trade candidate? For the Bucks, uh, there was a Bleacher Report article. Had a name out there. I wasn't a huge fan of it, but we'll talk about that. And then we'll just do a Chuck's Corner, likely just me bitching about the day after Memorial Day, which is one of the worst days of the year. So hopefully you guys are hanging in strong, whether you're at home, whether you're at the Cubes, whether you're driving around, whatever it may be. I hope you guys are doing well, and I hope you're following us on social media. Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Tabby the Keg on Twitter. Um, come hang out with us. Come be a person. We'd love to have you. Um, make sure that you've rated and reviewed this podcast. We really appreciate it. We want to get the word out. We want people to know who we are. Please uh, share this podcast as well. Uh, we'd really appreciate that with your friends. Got to work on those QR codes. Um, was hanging with Shannon on Sunday. Uh, it's Jay, Ken, and I. Uh, we're at the different the QR code. We had an opportunity. We didn't. We didn't have one, so we got to make those. I gotta get on those, but like most things, I'll probably talk about it all summer, and then it's like September. Packers are starting, and I haven't fucking made one cute card. But that's cute QR code. But that's life, right? Uh, but let's talk about the Milwaukee Brewers. Let's talk about the Willie Adamas breakout candidates. Willie Adamas came to the Brewers like a supernova. Willie Adamas had this amazing summer where people were talking about Willie Adamas as a borderline MVP candidate, and just absolutely took. The hearts of Brewer Nation, and basically, I would say save the Brewer season. I mean, I don't think that is an egregious statement. I don't think that's hyperbole. I think that's very true. Like I think Willie Adams played a huge factor in the Milwaukee Brewers being successful last season and having such a good team because they needed that offensive spark plug. Unfortunately, Christian Yelich, who still isn't back. Uh, he, has, he hasn't been that guy. And they, everyone's wanted Yelich to be that dude. While Yelich has been better this season, um, he still isn't that top-tier guy. Adamus is their best offensive player. Now, he's been out for the last few weeks. I think he might come back soon. I would imagine there's a possibility, maybe even today or tomorrow. I know he's doing a rehab assignment in Carolina. So I do expect Willie Adamus to be back at some point. I wonder if they'll just wait to the Padre series, and then they have Adamas back, and then Urias back at third base, which they desperately need. But there are always going to be breakout candidates. There are always going to be guys who take a step. That's part of sports. That's literally every sport. But could there be a guy that really rises to another level? That's not just a leap for them, but it's a leap that helps the Milwaukee Brewers and pushes the Milwaukee Brewers forward. Right now, this team is very successful. They are... 32 and 18. It is their best record in 50 games that they've had in their entire career. Our franchise, not really career, but franchise. And last year we were 25 and 25 at this time. So it's quite a difference, right? That's like, I mean, that's going from basically being average to then having a hot spring to being like, these are two hot months. It's going to be really hard for the Milwaukee Brewers to miss the playoffs. They would have to epically fail this summer to basically not have a playoff roster and they've been dominant this year and some of these guys are the reason why they're they have been so good 
And could this sustain now for an entire year? So some have already broken out. Some have shown signs of maybe a breakout being there, uh, but there are definitely, in my opinion, four candidates. The obvious first one is Tyrone Taylor. Tyrone Taylor has been absolutely incredible for the last two weeks and has really sort of shown to the Brewers organization and I think a lot of fans why he should be the everyday, be an everyday outfielder. I wouldn't say the everyday center fielder because they have guys all over the position, but the run that Tyrone Taylor is on is absolutely incredible. He made a great catch in right field yesterday. He hit a home run that basically gave the Brewers at least one run of cushion that they needed. He homered actually in both. I think he opened in both of the games yesterday. Yeah, he homered in both of the games yesterday. Absolutely incredible. The guy is on a complete fucking tear. So in the last 14 days, in the last 15 days, here's Tyrone Taylor's numbers. He's batting 300 on the nose, five home runs, 15 RBIs, only eight strikeouts. He also has two doubles in that time. If you go to the last 30 days, Tyrone Taylor is hitting 280, six home runs, 18 RBIs, and an on-base percentage of, or an OPS of 870. That's pretty damn good. Tyrone Taylor's OPS in the last 15 days is 985. Tyrone Taylor is becoming a star before our eyes. And Tyrone Taylor has basically said to the Brewers organization, I am not giving one of those outfield spots back. It's me, it's Hunter Renfro, it's Christian Yelich, and that's it. And those are the guys. Andrew McCutcheon, he can DH. I'm sure Tyrone Taylor will get opportunities to DH as well. Uh, And Lorenzo Cain is the odd man out. Now, at some point, we need to have a conversation about Lorenzo Cain. Where does it go? My dad even thought he should be DFA'd. I was like, I don't know if you can do that. I think he's too much of a clubhouse guy to do that. And, but Lorenzo Cain's time with the Brewers is going to be significantly limited with the emergence of Tyrone Taylor. Now, they might say to Cain, hey, if you want to retire and be a coach on this coaching staff, we'd love to have you. But I don't, I don't know if Cain would do that. I think Cain has too much pride. So he's trying to bow out midseason. Other candidate who had a big game yesterday was Aaron Ashby. Aaron Ashby struck out 12 batters. Uh, and was absolutely dominant besides one pitch to Wilson Contreras. Other than that pitch to Wilson Contreras, Ashby was on his game. He was the sixth Brewers pitcher to have 10 or more strikeouts this season. No other team has 10 or more. No other team has made six guys have 10 or more strikeouts this season. It's absolutely incredible. Literally every guy in the Brewers rotation has had 10 strikeouts at least in one game. And Aaron Ashby, crazy enough, had not had a win this season. Not that wins like matter, but it, Aaron Ashby's had such a good year that it's it's really surprising that this is his first win. He's actually had three losses on the season. But yeah, 12 strikeouts is definitely a way to kind of introduce yourself and sort of say hello world. He also pitched really well in San Diego, which I thought was almost more impressive how good the Padres are against left-handers where he struck out five. So he struck out 17 batters in his last two starts, 11 and two-thirds innings. That's pretty damn good. And now Ashby's going to be a fixture in this rotation going forward. You don't have Brandon Woodruff, who's down with a ankle injury. Hopefully going to be all right. I don't know what the Brewers are doing shoe-wise. Now, this is the second sprained ankle uh, that the Brewers have had in the last two or three weeks. we got to probably work on that. And you have Freddy Peralta, who is down for the foreseeable future. I don't expect Freddy Peralta back until like August 15th or something like that. I wouldn't be surprised 
Fiddy's even September. I don't know. I'm just not. I'm not going to expect Freddie Peralta anytime soon. So that means that Aaron Ashby is going to have to be part of this rotation. Now the Brewers probably can't go with a four-man rotation. They're probably going to have to bring up Ethan Small again um, when his time is up. Now they can kind of shuffle these guys around a little bit, but I would imagine that Ethan Small is going to get that fifth spot. I don't imagine the Brewers are going to kind of do opener shit for their fifth position, but maybe. I mean, if they can, we'll see. But Aaron Ashby is going to have that role for the Brewers, at least for the time being. So that is going to be Aaron Ashby's starting. He'll be starting again against San Diego, I think Sunday, or at least Philadelphia on Tuesday. And yeah, Aaron Ashby could have the type of year we've seen from guys like Corbin Burns, Adrian Hauser, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta. All those guys have had moments in the last few years. And this could be the Aaron Ashby moment um, the Brewers, I think, will work, too, to try to not stack the lefties. I would imagine they will fix that going forward. I don't know if they're able to with days off and shit, but having Ashby and Lauer back-to-back is not is not ideal, but Ashby ha- is definitely a candidate to really break out this summer and force the Brewers to probably make some tough decisions come playoff time. And if Ashby is just this dynamic long reliever because the Brewers are completely healthy, great. But who knows? Maybe Ashby becomes even better and levels up, and then you look at Ashby as a potential starter. I would say right now, Adrian Hauser has been struggling um, this season compared to the rest of the Brewers pitching staff. He's kind of the weak link, if you will. So who knows? Maybe Ashby takes that spot, and hopefully this pushes Hauser to be better, and hopefully Hauser can kind of rise up with Ashby hot on his heels. We mentioned Eric Lauer. He's pitching tonight. He's another guy that is in that breakout candidate potential, that Willie Adamas breakout. He's already kind of broken out. If you're like, who actually has the crown? While well, Tyrone Taylor has been hot for the last 30 days, Eric Lauer has been hot all season. He's 5-1 and one with a 231 ERA, 55 strikeouts, and a 1.01 whip. He's been very good. I think it's really hard for me to look at Eric Lauer and not think the guy deserves some all-star consideration, as crazy as that might sound to everybody. I mean, but he's really been fixed. I mean, Chris Hook has done a great job with Eric Lauer. He's 26 years old, and he's kind of just shining through. I mentioned on Thursday's pod that the Cardinals game was impressive, even though Lauer did not have his best stuff, because the Cardinals are so good against left-handers. And the fact that he only allowed two runs, the fact that he was able to waste a bunch of guys on base. I mean, the Cardinals had eight guys on base when Lauer was on the mound, and he was only giving up two runs. That's pretty impressive. And now you get the Cubs tonight. Now the Cubs, not bad against lefties, but Lauer struck out 11 Cubs the last time he faced them uh, in Milwaukee, uh, and it was a seven-inning, only one run allowed uh, performance from the Brewers left-hander. So Lauer, to me, right now is your third best pitcher. Actually, he's probably your second best pitcher right now because of the injuries to Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta. You have to have Lauer sort of steady in the ship. And this is why you need a guy like Eric Lauer right now because you're down injury-wise. I think if the Brewers were last year, had this situation with Peralta down, with Woodruff down, and you're 25 and 25, we might wonder if the Brewers can survive and the Brewers can get into the playoffs. This year, I think everyone's unfazed just because they've shown depth. They've really shown how deep they are, and Eric Lauer is part of that story. 
So we'll see if he can keep, keep it up. I mean, we've seen this before, right, with some pitchers where they'll start strong and then all of a sudden they crean. And then, like, it doesn't work out. But I think Eric Lauer is legit. I don't think there's any worry, in my opinion, that Eric Lauer is going to fall off said cliff. Because, again, he's a young pitcher. He was a talented pitcher coming out of college. He was the top, he was a first-round pick by the San Diego Padres. He does have his FIP, I will say, if you want to like be a hater, his FIP is 3.56 with ZRA being 231, which usually FIP, if it's higher than your ERA and it's like a point higher than your ERA, it's usually a sign that regression is coming, that he has some regression in him. But still, I don't know. I mean, Lauer was pretty good down the stretch last year. Like, if you look at his ERA last year, 3.19, and he had he did have a FIP of 4.0, it just the regression never happened. It never really sort of went there for Lauer. So, yes, could he have a blow-up start on him soon? Probably. But do I still think Eric Lauer is a vital part to what the Brewers need to do, you know, for the rest of the summer and potentially the rest of the year? Absolutely. The last guy I'll mention is Castanera. Look, I know we have been through the fucking gamut with Castanjera, right? Castanjera, there's just been a lot there uh, for the Castaddy. But I do think there is a opportunity for Castanjera to sort of take advantage. He's right now batting 254. He's been really, he's been really solid. Like he, he really has. I, I think it's hard for me to look at it and say you can't take Castanjera down. Like, I would think it would be crazy if Adamus, let's say, comes back Thursday and they they send down Kessinger again. If I'm Kessinger, I'm like, get me the fuck off this team. Like, can I just get out? Because look at Kessinger's last 15 games, similar to, similar to Tyrone Taylor. Three home runs, eight RBIs, 280, an OPS of over 1,000 right now. His OPS over the last 30 games, 30 days, which is pretty much when he got called up, uh, so it's probably like 16 or 17, is over 1,000. He is really raking it right now. Is he striking out a lot still? Absolutely. Yes, the strikeouts are not going away, but he's making a lot of solid contact for the Brewers when when given the opportunity. The question is, will the Brewers continue to have those opportunities available for him? I would argue yes. I think Ryan Telez has, you know, he was a little hotter than maybe expected to start the year. It's still, Rowdy still has had some moments, but it's not like Rowdy can't get a day off at first base. It's not like Castanjera can't contribute if Colton Wong is hurt or if Colton Wong needs a time off and he needs to play second base or if there's a DH open position, And right? Like, I just think there are moments for Castanjera. I don't think that he is served to play in AAA. He's too good for AAA. I think he is pr- provided a good bench player, and I think the Brewers need to keep him up. And if he doesn't stay up, I'll be I'll be rather perturbed. I, I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I, I think that Kasten has done enough to prove his worth here. I, Brasso was a guy who I was like, well, you DFA him, but Brasso's hitting 280. I, I was talking to some friends about what do you do with the Brewers team because you have. All these guys, and now Adonis comes back, and it's like, all right, who's the odd man out? Is it a pitcher? But really, can you be taking guys out of the out of the pitching rotation or out of the the bullpen with how sort of limited you are? I don't know. 
But Trevor Kelly, I don't know. Trevor Kelly didn't look good in game one, so maybe it's maybe it's that. And they just go with the deeper bench and let counter rotate guys in and out. But yeah, man, it's it's gonna be really interesting. I don't know, maybe there there's something in the works with Hura as a trade piece for a potential starting pitcher. It it would be kind of crazy to get yet another starting pitcher, but if Woodruff's ankle injury is more than just a 10 or 15 day sort of thing and it's going to be a month then maybe it's worth it um and you know freddie's going to be down for a while i realize ethan smalls is you know ready to roll but he didn't to me i wasn't like blown away by ethan small in his first start now granted you know it's hard sometimes to make that first impression also it was very very wind you know hitter friendly conditions at wrigley field so i'm not gonna get too deep into the weeds with Ethan Small. But yeah, the Bruce, Bruce have some decisions to make the next couple days as well as the next couple weeks. And so we'll see what they do. But yeah, I definitely, I would say if I have to put a name on the breakout candidate, in my opinion, I will say Tyrone Taylor. Uh, I think Lauer is definitely right there, but I, I think that I will go with Tyrone Taylor and expect Tyrone Taylor to continue this sustainable i think he's going to be an everyday guy and if he isn't i think you have to ask a lot of questions on why tyron taylor isn't the everyday outfielder for the brewers so there was some bucks news over the weekend darvin ham took the los angeles lakers job ham will now be the lakers coach with lebron james lebron was very happy about it there are people who think that he can fix russell westbrook because he's a former player which is laughable at best i'm happy for darvin ham he deserves it this has been a long time coming. I think, too, it's a smart move by the Lakers. They saw what the Memphis Grizzlies did with Ty- Taylor Jenkins, hiring a bud assistant, and it has worked out for them. I think the Lakers are hoping something similar can happen with Darvin Ham, as well as getting a player in there, a former player, which has, again, worked out for a lot of teams. You see it with Jason Kidd. You see it with Steve Kerr. You see it with Steve Nash. Uh, it, it, there are play, Doc Rivers. I mean, even though Doc has struggled in the playoffs, it's been successful for them, you know. And having that former NBA voice, I think, does help. Um, Anna Udoka, again, another guy in the league, was in there. So I think the Lakers are looking at that trend and trying to follow it. And I think getting a guy like Darvin will help the Lakers. Now, it's a lot of pressure on Darvin, not gonna lie. Like, I do wonder if he's ready for that. I think. He, he's a guy who's going to be honest with people. I think he'll have a similar approach to how M.A. kind of handles the media. And I think that as long as Darvin Ham is giving some sort of a leash, I think he'll be all right. I, I don't want him to be the fall guy of the LeBron, the ending of LeBron's dynasty here in, in the NBA. Like, I think he deserves better than that. And it's going to be a nonstop media circus but if the Lakers start out hot, then it all goes away. And then everyone's talking about, oh, can the Lakers be this Western contender? And I think really what I'll be interested in is will Darwin sort of take some of the training regimens and things like that from Milwaukee to Los Angeles to help sort of maybe keep Anthony Davis on the court? Like, I don't think Suki Hobson would go and jump from Milwaukee to Los Angeles. I really don't know how that would work. But if I was Darvin Ham, I'd be trying to take someone off her staff and say, all right, we need this person in here from a strength and conditioning perspective because the Bucks have done such a good job of keeping their guys healthy. I realize Middleton got hurt, but that to me is not an injury based on the strength and conditioning team. But yeah, I think that would be something I'd look at. I'd also wonder if 
you know, you can kind of re-engineer this Lakers roster. Will they try to re-sign Malik Monk, who to me feels like a bud guy? I've talked about Malik Monk to the Bucks, but I wonder now, will Darvin Ham be like, why are we getting rid of this guy? Like, we should really try to keep him. He would be a ideal fit for the system that I'm trying to run. I will also be curious if they use LeBron kind of like Giannis Antetokounmpo. Will they have, you know, more sort of screen stuff for LeBron? Will they try to work LeBron more in the post? Will there be less of sort of the ISO stuff that LeBron has done for his entire career? Or will they use Anthony Davis more as the LeBron or more as the Giannis and LeBron as more, say, a Chris Middleton or Drew Holiday in that system? I don't know. And will it be as free-flowing? Will they have the ability to do that? I don't know. I think it's going to be all very interesting um, to see see what will happen. I realize I've said I don't know a couple of times, but but those are all things to think about, in my opinion. The other thing to think about, too, with the Lakers and Darvin Ham is will LeBron actually only play like 30 to 35 minutes? Will they try to kind of load manage his minutes like, they, like they've done with Giannis? That, to me, is one of the more fascinating things. And will, how will LeBron respond to that? Will LeBron be okay with that? I think he should. I think he, at this point of his career, if LeBron wants to be successful still and wants to have a sustainable end of his career as he's winding down, I think playing less minutes is going to be the key. And I think you know every now and again, routine days off for maintenance is is all right. But that's where you need Anthony Davis to step up, and that's you know the problem. And whether Anthony Davis is on the move, we'll see. As for the impact of the Bucks, I mean, Darwin, I thought, was a great sort of guy on the bench. Like, he definitely, you know, would talk to players. He would get in there, you know, face a little bit, you know, when they needed it. I think he was a good motivator. So I do think that will be a loss for the Bucks. I'm curious to see whether Mike Budenholzer will add a, another former player. And, and if there's a guy that, you know, I, I have no idea if this guy's out there, but there's a guy who's sort of part of the either the pop or bud tree and you can add him onto the staff to sort of add that forward player voice now i know you have vin baker but i, I just don't see vin baker in the same capacity as darvin ham uh, he's just kind of starting out his coaching career so i don't necessarily think vin can kind of level up to be what darvin is uh, Charles Lee is expected to be the head assistant for the Bucks. That's a no-brainer. I think Charles Lee is going to get a job here pretty soon as well. Um, so it wouldn't surprise. I don't think it's going to be this year, but it wouldn't surprise me if Charles Lee, you know, is the head assistant for a year or two, and then he's moved on to somewhere else with the NBA because I think he's the next guy after Darwin. So Charles Lee is a no-brainer from a head assistant perspective, but I do wonder to replace Lee, will they look at another former player? to sort of have that, that you know, hey, I, hey, I've been here before, I understand what you're going through, but also we need to be better here and kind of lay a fire under the ass when it's, and it doesn't come just from your head coach. I don't know, we'll see what happens there. Uh, but yeah, happy for Darvin Ham, it should be, it makes it fun. It'll be really annoying to hear the Giannis to LA rumors, they've already kind of started. They're like, oh, Giannis is going to go to the Lakers, all this other bullshit. It's like, all right, guys. This a, a, he literally just told DMZ last week that he, this city is not for him. And now we're already starting with, hey, Giannis might be might be on his way to L.A. in three or four years because Darvin Ham's there. Shut the fuck up. Just hate that shit. It's the, it's the worst part about the NBA, and it drives me absolutely bananas. 
All right, moving on to more book stuff. Uh, so I saw an article from Bleacher Report. They picked out ideal trade candidates for every team in the NBA. That was actually a really good read. I forget the guy's name who did it. Um, so shout out to him. Um, but it was it was a good sort of page through. And the guy they landed on for the Bucks was Contavious Caldwell Pope. Now, if you know this podcast, more so Mitch than me, big KCP guys. Uh, KCP is a guy that Mitch really liked. Uh, he liked him out of college. Like he thought the Bucks should have drafted him. I think there's way old tab in the keg tapes where Mitch talks about wanting to draft KCP. But that might have been before the podcast. Regardless. KCP would be a nice addition for the Bucs. I mean, he's a 3 and D guy. He can really shoot the basketball. Kind of a microwave guy where if he gets hot, like just keep giving him the ball. Can hang out in the corner for Giannis. Definitely a movable contract at $14 million a year on an expiring. So it's, it's a one-year thing. They could bring KCP in. I'm sure the combination of George Hill, Grayson Allen probably gets that deal done rather easily. And I don't think you'd have to surrender a first-rounder for KCP, in my opinion. But it would really come down to what are the Wizards willing to do? If the Wizards are going to blow it up, then yeah, KCP's on the table, but I'd rather have Kyle Kuzma. If they're going, if you're going to ask me who would you prefer out of that team, it would be Kyle Kuzma. Now, if you want to get crazy and bring in Kuzma and KCP, and then you'd have to give up a little bit more, I think Brooke Lopez would probably have to be involved then too. Now, now I'm a little interested. Now my now my interest has been peaked a little bit to say, all right, maybe get both in the mix. And I, I think my problem, I don't hate the idea of KCP, but I just, I think the Bucks need weirdly more size on the wing. Like they, they just need a taller backup wing defender that can also, you know, pick up Jason Tatum and that can pick up Jalen Brown, like or Jimmy Butler. Like I think when you lose in a playoff series, you have to say, all right, what could we have had that would have beat them? I, I think it's showed in that Heat series that P.J. Tucker was not the answer. P.J. Tucker did not help, you know, take down Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, right? He frustrated him. He had a good game in game three. Like, he kind of was the star in that game, if you will, for Miami. And that, that yeah, he won one game, but he didn't win game seven, right? P.J. Tucker didn't lock down Tatum and was the reason why... You know, Miami won that series, which they didn't even win. You know, it was Jimmy Butler, it was Bam out of bio. So I find that a little bit short-sighted, but I do think they need a guy that can pick somebody up on the wing. And I would prefer that to not happen with, with the draft pick. I realize that a lot of the Bucks Twitter and Reddit communities want EJ Liddell. I think EJ Liddell would be an excellent fit for what Milwaukee needs. That said, you're asking a lot of a rookie to sort of be that guy. Um, I just think that's that's a little bit too hard of an ask, in my opinion. I think that it would be better off, you know, getting a guy like Kuzma, getting a guy like Harrison Barnes. I think those, to me, are my top targets when it comes to trades. I don't hate the idea of Canadian's Caldwell Pope. I just wonder how many 6'5", 3D guys do you have? Like, I, I just feel like you need some taller guys on that wing, and I don't think the Bucks have that you know, in their backup. And that's what worries me. And what also worries me about Barnes, just really quick, is like, I think Sacramento really wants to make the playoffs. Like Sacramento has talked about the, the fourth pick being available for a veteran. Like if I'm if I'm Washington and I have and I have an opportunity at the fourth pick and I could look at Bradley Beal. And now Bradley Beal has been mentioned in trades forever. And I think Philly, I think Miami are both going to try to go after Bradley Beal. I think in that article, 
Bradley Beal was tagged for both of those teams. That said, if I could get the number four pick and trade and get, you know, maybe someone comes back for Bradley Beal, but you get the number four pick for Bradley Beal in a pretty good draft. Yes, the top three is extremely talented with Chet, with Paolo, with Jabari Smith, but you still are going to get a very talented player at four. And if they look at it and say, all right, we're going to trade you Bradley Beal for the fourth pick, A, I don't think that Harrison Barnes is on the move, right? Like I, I just don't think that happens. Now you're going to have to obviously bring some other guys over for a contract perspective, and the, you can maybe, maybe Barnes goes over in that trade. So I do worry that potentially that number four pick could be a reason why Harrison Barnes doesn't necessarily go to the Milwaukee Bucks. Like that that is a big fear of mine. Like right now number 4 is like Jaden Ivey. What like okay, so that's even more reason. Like I would definitely I was like I was trying to think who that who am I missing out of the three guys and Jaden Ivey's that guy. Like why wouldn't you do that? Like isn't Jaden Ivey just a bigger Bradley Beal? Like in a lot maybe not exactly, but what that makes way too much sense. Like if I am if I'm Washington and I'm like all right and, and honestly, if you trade for Jane and Ivy, or like you trade to that number four pick, you don't have to move Kuzma. Like all of a sudden, you kind of have this fun young team. You have Perzingis, who I'm not high on, but all right. Like you have Perzingis, you have Kuzma, you have KCP. If you don't decide to move off a lot of these guys, I don't know. You kind of have it. I like that. I'll, I'll put that in. I have more people have been talking about that. Because that, that was a rumor out there that Sacramento actually wanted to sort of make the playoffs. So that could sort of impact the Harrison Barnes thing. But I do wonder if if they need to move him and they need a third team, does John Horst become that third team? They already have a relationship. Sacramento and them did the deal, were part of that four-team deal for Ibaka this year, gave him Dante DiVincenzo. Uh, would they, and they were going to give him Bogdan for a trade, like, there is definitely maybe an opportunity there. Apparently Dante's unhappy in Sacramento. I don't want Dante back, though. I, I know there were some people who were like, well, if we had Dante, we would have beat the Celtics in that one. What's the difference between Dante and Grace now? Dante looked like he was ready to shit his pants, you know, in the bubble. So I'm not, I don't know what's the difference there. But hopefully, you know, the Bucks do, do get better. I, I expect them to have a different-looking bench next season. And so whether that is moving, moving on from Grayson Allen, whether that's moving on from George Hill, I don't expect them to run it back with the exact same team. I'd be stunned if they did something like that. All right, Chuck's Corner. I was going to do something about how I can't keep talking about Top Gun, um, and I've never, I haven't seen it. Like I've just been like, I gotta go. Like there, it's rare that I have a movie where I'm like, I have to go see this movie. Um, but everyone's talking about how great it is. Um, I feel like a loser. I haven't seen it. Like all, you know, basically my fake male friend groups, whether it be Twitter, whether it be Reddit. I've all seen Top Gun and I haven't, and I just feel like I have a dick in my hand. My wife has not seen the first Top Gun, so she doesn't have that much interest in it. Tom Cruise also freaks her out, so that's part of the problem. But yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's stressing me out a little bit. I'm like, and then the theater by me, which is called the Oriental, by the way, don't cancel me. It's literally called that, um, and it's right by right by my house. And I'm sure if you live in Milwaukee, you're familiar with it. Not playing Top Gun. Which I wouldn't expect to play Top Gun. They don't really play high but you know, they're more indie film stuff. But like my wife's gone, she's at a bachelorette party this weekend. I would have hundred percent gone to go see Top Gun on Friday. Like I would add a couple beers in the house, 
walked over, grabbed popcorn, grabbed a, another drink at the, at, this, at the movie theater, which you can do, and just hung out and watched Top Gun. But we don't have Top Gun here. And from what I've been told, it's not one that you stream. It's like one you actually watch in a theater, and that would be great. So I need to go see Top Gun. I know I had talked to a buddy of mine who said he wanted to see it too, but you know he has a busy life. We all have a busy life. It's hard to just be like, hey, do you want to go see a movie tonight? And not do it with your wife, right? Like, that's that's weird. Uh, it's not necessarily something you do that often. I mean, I guess you go to baseball games with your buddies or things like that. It's not like, I shouldn't say it's weird. It's just not something you see that often. It's like, usually, who do you usually go see movies with or watch shows with? It's your wife. Uh, but whatever. Uh, maybe maybe you can make it happen. So we'll see. But also, too, Memorial Day Tuesday, man, just sucks. Like, just a terrible day. And I, I don't know why, how many years I can do this where it's like, I don't look at it that Tuesday isn't just this awful day. Um, it, even though it's a short week, even though it's, you know, summer is kind of here in Milwaukee, weather's great. Some bad storms, I guess, tonight. So hopefully everybody stays, power stays on, no flooding, nothing like that. But man, it's, uh, it, that's all, it's always a hard day to bounce back from. I definitely could have used a couple more hours in the rack, but Sorry the podcast got up late. Um, hopefully we'll be back tomorrow. Uh, Mitch and I, hopefully, Mitch and I have not. We, it feels like we're barely podcasting anymore. It feels like Mitch is ducking me. Maybe Mitch is going to retire from the podcast game. But yeah, uh, we'll hopefully have uh, Tabby the Keg this week um, and definitely uh, continue on with our show. And I, I'm, I will say, last thing, I'm trying to wonder whether I should do like three or four days a week, take a day off, just given the fact that there isn't a ton going on, at least in the month of June. Um, and really July, I it's not like I don't want to, I'm just curious to see would my numbers be better. Um, I might do like a test, maybe do a two week test just to see. Um, I'm in South Carolina next week. So maybe that's a opportune time to say, all right, we'll do four shows, we'll take off Friday. We'll see how that does from a performance perspective. And then next week, kind of look at a similar sort of thing. So maybe, maybe we'll try for a couple of weeks, see, see how that works. If it works great, if it doesn't, well, then we'll go back to our, our full full arsenal of uh, shows per week. All right, take care, guys. Have yourself a great Tuesday. Hang in there. Do whatever you need to to get by. And then just remember, once you get into Wednesday, we're halfway through the week already. All right, take care. Have a good one. Bye.